Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Rainstock Play. In this week's episode, we're going to take a look at the conclusion of the PSL group stages, go around the grounds, talk about India and New Zealand's respective wins, and round up some of the other biggest headlines in the last week of cricket. Also, we've come up with our own T20 Franchise League. We'll talk a bit more about that in a minute. And we'll have a quick question from Zach. It is a full Rainstock Play Quartet today. Very exciting. Glenn, hello. How's it going, Dan? Good morning. Good morning, afternoon, evening, whatever it is where you are listening now as well. Will, good evening, because I know you're in the UK. Good evening. <laughs> and Zach, up in Leeds, good evening. Good evening, Dan. Good evening. Very formal start to this week's Rain Stop Play. Uh, before we do get stuck in, uh, if you have listened or saw it get uploaded on Sunday, Glenn's USA special episode is out. Um, a fantastic listen uh, about USA. Is it? cricket sleeping giant you'll find out in the podcast episode we'll chat more about that a bit later in the episode uh, and sort of reflect even more on it because we've had a few comments from some listeners uh, and a new bit of news come out about us cricket so that'll be about halfway through today's show but to start as i said we're going to do the psl which has been rip-roaring success this year i think probably because it's occupied this weird month or so where nothing's been going on and this is what's going on and it's been very good um so the group stage is finished I'm going to start with you, Zach, because you're a sort of resident PSL guy. And, but I know, Glenn, you've been watching a lot of it as well. You used to you kind of like to G yourself up for an episode with a bit of PSL. Uh, so, Zach, group stages are finished. As a man who I haven't watched a single ball bowled, apart from a bit of Jason Roy in highlights. And for listeners who may not have watched it, what's happened? So, yeah, it's, the group stages will be finished by the time you're listening to this. They are the current the final game is currently going on, but Shaheen Afridi is batting, so you can guarantee his team probably won't be winning. He's, he, he is on 17 not out though, which must be his highest ever score. Uh, so Multan Sultan's finished the group. Winners, shocking nobody. They've been brilliant throughout. They lost one game in the whole group stages. They will most likely play the Lahore Kalanders, who I think the net run rate can't push them below the team they're currently playing I don't, it, they'd have to be battered by them and then they're losing but they're not losing that comfortably so they should they will play Multan in the kind of qualifier I'm not sure what they try and call it but they do the kind of the same thing as the IPL where first and second play a game third and fourth play a game winner of third and fourth plays loser of first and second so third and fourth is Peshawar Zalmi and Islamabad United I think that game is on Thursday as well and then the two teams to miss out are Quetta and Karachi, who obviously Karachi have, you know, we've famously been absolutely terrible. But they did win a game. They actually won one whole game against Lahore one, as well. Did, they, they bottled that one sort of live on air, quote unquote, when we were recording last week. Was that maybe the week before where they needed like two off? Not many. And then got themselves run out and, and sort of looked like they were going to go with a big bagel, no wins, but they've done all right. Yeah, you know, I think they'll be happy to beat Lahore in Lahore, which obviously is their rivals. But overall, not a good, not a good game, not a good series from them. And yeah, Quetta were unlucky to miss out. That was the team that I think a lot of um, English fans decided to back because they had Will Smead and Jason Roy at the top of the order. And they missed out on net run rate, unfortunately. 
My exactly, it's like my favourite two teams. Uh, I was trying to do the maths in my head. I think the chance was one in nine of this happening. Finished in the in the, the foot of the table. So I have ab- I picked two teams out of six, and I have no one to cheer for in the knockout stage, which is really depressing. That's a that's a rain stop play curse. I just, just presume from the sort of highlights I was getting fed, being an English cricket fan, that that Ketter would like unbelievable top, you know, undefeated. Roy was getting a hundred every game, but clearly that wasn't happening. No, I think they're, they're bowling let them down a bit because even in the game where Smead got 99 uh, almost a week ago now, they didn't win that game. They lost. They, they, they only managed to score 160 and he scored 99 of them and they, they fell about 20 runs short. But one kind of shining light for them has been, remember Nassim Shah? Obviously, he burst into the seam as a test bowler when he was about, I, I mean, he must still only be about 18, 19. But yeah, he, he took four for 27 in the game last week and has been bowling really well with the new ball. And so there's talk of him being in the kind of next T20 squad for Pakistan. And then obviously hit, imagine him and Shaheen opening the bowling in a T20. That would be, That'd be fairly lethal, that wouldn't it? Just, just mm-hmm. come back to Glenn supporting and cursing two teams. Uh, Will wasn't here last week, and this is a bit of a pivot to the IPL. But Will, I, I want your reaction on Zach ditching KKR um, and like what, what this is going to do. Did you go, you're now a look now super giant fan, aren't you, Zach? So, you know... Maybe Zach will curse them coming up in the IPL season. Will, what did you think of that KKR switch, though? Big drama on the rain stop play uh, chat. I have a lot of respect for that, coming out publicly and doing it. He didn't try and weasel his way into luck now at the start of the next pod. Um, it's it's interesting timing, given that KKR actually had a good season um, last year. Uh, but I respect it. And, and to be fair, look now looked like a lot of fun. So if I were in a position to choose a team from scratch, they would be well up my list. Although my adopted PSL team is doing well, which is odd. Um, Lahore are actually a coherent team. That's unlike us to support a coherent team. So they're doing very well. Uh, you mentioned Smead, Zach. He was someone I, th- I thought was Australian uh, last English summer because he was doing very well for Birmingham Phoenix. I'm like, I've not seen this lad. Um, he's, a, he's a good looking, tan young man. Maybe, you know, and I thought he was Australian because that's what they all, they all look like. So no, he had a great, I'll get away from how good he looks. <laughs> he had a good tournament, didn't he? And um, could you point out some of the other English lads who have done all right? I know we talk about Roy as well. Yeah, so another guy who's done really well recently is Harry Brook hit a century of about 49 balls. And it's great to see because he kind of had a bit of a breakout summer as well last year and then played, I think, one of the T20s for England. He, he got into the side for one of those games in the West Indies. And yeah, he, he had a, he's had a really tough winter and everyone was kind of saying, oh, why is he in the England squad, considering he's been awful in the BBL? And, and English English batters don't generally come to the PSL and do well. So him getting a, a hundred and I think he was the first English batter to ever score. No, second after Jason Roy now. But second ever English batter to score a hundred in the PSL. Pretty amazing. It just, it was an unbelievable. And he just seemed to be, every time a bowler would miss their Yorker, he'd just crunch them for four straight back past them. And if they tried to bowl a short ball at him, he'd just hook them for six. It was Really nice to watch, and hopefully he can, you know, maybe get a couple more chances with England in the coming, you know, years. And he's a middle-order batter, which obviously there's just seems to be such a lack of in world cricket. Did uh, did he get a go in the West Indies? I can't remember. It was a bit of a weird tour. That did he get a go? Yeah, that play, he played in that first game, right? Maybe. I, I don't know was if it was somebody the else? first game. I, I think he might have played in the second or the third. I think it was one of the games we lost. He didn't get many runs. So he's on the radar, at least. He's, he's on the radar. Um, okay, so the four teams left, Zach. Who would you back now if, you, if I had to sort of uh, if you had to stick your neck out and pick one of, of these four teams? I mean, I can't look past the team I've actually been supporting since the start, which is the Multan Sultans. There you go. They've just got Rizwan and Shah Massoud averaging 50 at the top and just going going steady and then they've got Tim David Riley Rousseau hit 70 from 32 balls the other day as well he's he's one of those players who who in I mean you say at this level he he uh, he feels like a such a PSL player for me he's played in the PSL the whole time it's been on and it's it's an interesting mix the overseas players they get in the PSL because they get there's a few players like David Visa Riley Rousseau who they're, they've just been there since the start and the, the PSL team seem to just stick with them. And then there's other players who, I'm sorry, uh, Shaheen Shahafridi is just taking his helmet off because he's scored a six off the last ball. That means it's gone to a super over. 
No. He's just taken his helmet off like no. for a century. <laughs> no, I'd do that. Me. Like she, we all know how bad he is with the bat. That's world class. So what super <laughs> over that last game. Any implications there or is that just being is that tying up what we already know? I, I'm I don't think there's any implication there. No, no. I think like she's, I said, it was had, had to have been a yeah, she's good fun. I think if Peshawar had battered Lahore, they might have gone above them on net run rate. But right. it would have had to have been like a real battering. As opposed to a super over, which is not a battering, um, famously. Not really, no. um, before we move on from the PSL, Zach, James Faulkner is in the news. Why? Yes, this is a bit of a weird one. It, it came out, I don't know, Thursday, Friday, maybe. And he he first came out tweeting and saying, I'm leaving the PSL. They've not paid me. You know, shocking administration. And there was a few other tweets that said, oh, it's not the first time a player's had problems with pay from the PSL. And, I mean, it's the first I've heard of it. haven't heard any players complaining about it before. So the way they do it is they pay the players 70% before the tournament, just a couple months before, and then they get, I think they just get the rest afterwards, which is, you know, fair enough. You, no one really expects to be paid fully before you do anything. No, it's like it's like Klarna, isn't it? They're just Klarnering their players. Their players, it's fine. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So they, so they, all the players had to give them an account to pay the money into. So they paid the money into the account they gave. And then afterwards, James Faulkner said, no, 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 I want the money in a different account or his agent did or something. He said, I don't use that account anymore. It was like the account his agent had given. And then, yeah, right. he's like, no, I, I, I don't, I want it in a different account. And then the PSL are like, well, if we get the money back from this first account, we'll pay you into this other account. But the other account won't give them the money back. So he's taken this as a, it's a page. Obviously, this is all, this is what the PCB alleges happened now. And this led to a, a great picture on Twitter of, so this all was going on in a meeting, apparently, in the hotel where they're staying. And it led to a, him throwing his bat and his helmet at a chandelier, which <laughs> is, was a great I know. It was a great why, image. Why did he have his bat and his helmet during a meeting about pay? Does he always bring his kit with him? Or was this in the changing room? Leaving, I think it was there. Oh, he, right. Okay. He left the meeting and then was like, I'm gone. I'm going to throw this. And But then he paid the hotel damages and then went back to Australia. Probably and, cost him a lot of money, that, that chandelier. Maybe if he just hadn't <laughs> kicked off, he could get that money back. <laughs> Well, there were that's it. Just two things on that. Um, yeah, so really nicely summed up, Zach. So yeah, from what I can gather from reading a little bit about it today, so his agent, who I think has since been fired by him, gave yeah, uh, no detail, gave gave details to a UK bank account, and he oh, wanted God. it in an Australian bank account. Hence, there's been a lot of issues getting the money back uh, in the PCB's coffers. And you know, to an extent, quite rightly, if if their version of events is to be believed, the PCB, they're like, we can't pay you twice the full amount. We do have to, <laughs> we do have to get. The we have that money back. Back. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then um, yeah also as Zach already pointed out yeah he did uh, absolutely batter the chandelier on his way out uh, then then paid for it which which I imagine was a decent bit of money then the PCB um, also alleges that he caused a bit of uh, caused a bit of drama at the airport on his way out and there was a bit of immigration argy-bargy apparently uh, did a little bit of reading on him uh, just before he got on air um, I don't know I this is certainly not a judgment call we've got two different sides of the story here I don't don't think uh, what's the ultimate truth it's quite clear from this but clearly he he had a pretty aggressive reaction to uh to this pay dispute but he has had some issues before um i think he there was an issue uh for driving under the influence when he was in when he was um playing county cricket here in england he's been in a few kind of minor controversies around wording and you know upsetting some people before um various, various different people so yeah for what i could gather this doesn't necessarily seem like it would be out of character necessarily but at the same time like uh, you know i'm not going to say you know the pcb is definitely in the right there's probably two sides two sides here in the wrong here but the fact he demolished the hotel <laughs> is quite funny I've, I've just got this image in my head when you said that he went to a meeting and smashed a, his bat on the chandelier that he's come to his meeting in like full pads like it's like in, in a boardroom <laughs> somewhere but he's gone you know i'm gonna come in full pads anyway and he kicked he off asked for middle before they start negotiating <laughs> <laughs> it it takes an awful lot for me to automatically assume that when there are two sides of the story and one of them is saying that the pcb are a bit of an administrative nightmare it takes a lot for me to assume that that guy is in the wrong and the pcb <laughs> are right but when you smash a hotel chandelier on the way out hmm 
I mean, just transfer the money. Oh, you know, I'm not getting into just wire transfer transfers. Just transfer the transfer money, the money back. You know what I mean? Tax, just some it? debit account or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, he has. Um, um, sorry, that you. So uh, Dan Brettig, uh, an Australian reporter, did a really good piece on kind of James Faulkner and all of his previous issues and how he's you know the issue when he was playing for Lancashire when he was it was it was like Tim Payne's birthday party or something and he was playing for Lancashire and he was he was drink he he was then drink driving and and then he's also he doesn't play in the BBL anymore because of some dispute with Cricket Mm. Australia and you know now he's not he's not going to come back to the PSL and I think he's played kind of every year of the PSL so he's He's burning a lot of bridges for himself and he, he's not even that old. He seems like the sort of player who must be like 36, 37. I think he's only about 30, but he's got a really bad um, knee problem that is just really degenerative. So it's just been getting worse and worse. Hence why he only plays T20 cricket these days. Yeah, it's crazy to think he was man of the match when the when Oz won the World Cup in 2015. So it's been kind of sad oh, to see his career. It feels like an unfulfilled promise in many ways. But yeah, Zach, as you as you alluded to, he now has he's been stamped with a lifetime ban from the PSL. So How he's sad now, is that? He's now non-PSL. Great shout on that fact in the World Cup final, by the way, Glenn. That's and thought of that. So he's now non-PSL, non-BBL. That means he's just pretty much got the 100 left. So get him straight to London Spirit, where he'll really help out. Major, that, uh, Major that League Cricket. Matches. Major League Cricket, there we go. Major League Cricket, oh, no way. he's perfect for Major League Cricket. He oh. really is. Just the kind He'd of person enjoy they Florida. Would. He, the Americans would love him. The Americans would love him. Yeah, um, they would love him. <laughs> start a campaign. Let's get, James Let's get James Faulkner out to the, uh, the Major League Cricket circuit. The draft Faulkner campaign. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, that's the PSL and that's a bit of James Faulkner news. Um, let's go around the grounds. Um, plenty of other cricket going on at the minute. Uh, India versus West Indies is still a thing. Is this a one-day series? Did I? Are we still in T20s? T20s. Did the we, one day we, first. Sorry, we had one day, didn't we? Thank you very much. Uh, Will, what happened? As you can tell, I've not followed it because I didn't know what format they were playing. <laughs> I'm half watching the PSL Super Over uh, in the other window at the moment, so um, I will reawaken myself to tell you about India. Um, Well, here's the thing. This series was a great proof, I think, for my long-running thesis that basically all short-format series outside of major tournaments and franchise competitions feel like B-team warm-ups. The England-West Indies a couple of weeks ago, the notable exception to that rule, because that was actually a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, so it was it was it was entertaining enough. India won all of the games, so they're three nil in the T20s and three nil in the ODIs. But despite that, it wasn't a particularly enthusing run of form. I wouldn't say as an India fan, we didn't find a huge amount out. Couple of plus points. The Indian middle order does look a little bit more lively now. So they brought in Venkatesh Iyer in this kind of finishing role, um, and he and SKY and Pant are kind of your lower middle order now, and that seems very functional. The Wisdom Review used the word settled to describe the Indian middle order, which I wouldn't go quite that far. They've played like two games together. But yes, it looks a little bit more functional than it has before when they've been messing around with a lot of different options in that department. Um, Bizarrely batted Rohit Sharma at four in the third T20 because they've been experimenting with different openers, none of whom did well. Ishkish was promoted to try and accelerate at the top and didn't. Um, So that's still a position that India will be looking to change in the future. I have to say a, a personal mea culpa. Nikki Puran did score three half centuries in a row in this series. Um, did, that, did that hurt, Will? Did you? I bet that hurt. Well, Heat did they score. win any games though? No. Well, so that's a great point, but I don't think uh, will we'll Puran care. He's just he's just taking your. Probably not. <laughs> he's just, he's just trying to stick it way, to will, this little podcast in England. And he knows about. But for people who don't know, Will hates. Just put around. He called him Mr. Fraud. Even wrote Mr. Fraud in our in our notes. Not only, and we all know who that is. By the way, we all collectively are aware of who that is. So he had a good series. Somebody, um, somebody on 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 Twitter replied to the official RCB account, who did a nice little promo piece about Hasaranga, who they just drafted, and they said, "Sir Hasaranga is on fraud watch." And, and I thought that there are a few people that I've put on fraud watch. Puran and Hetmeyer, who's joining Rajasthan, are high on that list. Um, it's not that they're not talented. Clearly, they're talented or we wouldn't care. Um, but over the course of, say, a franchise season, you'll probably get two good performances out of them. In I, my opinion. I love it. I think I think in our IPL preview, we should have a, a fraud watch list to start with. Um, 
I, I know in in American football when when a when a college quarterback gets drafted quite high up, they're, they're straight on fraud watch, and everyone's like, are they a fraud? And they get about eight games to decide if they're really good or not. So we'll we'll yep. do that this year with, with cricket. Uh, anything else worth talking about from that series, Will? Um, couple other interesting talking points. I think one being that they have taken. From the Indian perspective, they've taken this opportunity to, to blood a few more of the young players who should have been in the T20 team for the World Cup and have been there the whole time. Um, so they had a bowling attack of various combinations of uh, Bishnoi, Harshal Patel, Arvesh Khan and Venki doing a bit of part-time bowling, which is makes a lot more sense than pretending that Hardik Pandya is a bowler, even though he doesn't bowl, alongside some of the, the ageing players who were in the T20 World Cup squad and, and shouldn't have been. Um, I said when we did our preview of that World Cup that India decided not to take the best wicket-taking spinner or the top wicket-taking fast bowlers from that season's IPL, which is a very odd decision. So all of those people are now in the India squad. So that makes a lot of sense. And they've all done quite well. So happy for them. The other interesting storyline, more drama off the field than on it, probably this week. Um, So they've just announced the test squad for the Sri Lanka series, which is... um, 4th of March, I think that starts, uh, three-match test series. Rohit Sharma is now the India test captain, so the captain in all three formats. I have to say, I, I, it's not quite clear whether he is the actual captain full-time, happy days, this is the future, or if he's the captain for this series and then we'll make a decision. He's, he's the Ralph Ranick, and he's going to, you know, just look after he's the Ralph and then we're going to find the actual one. Exactly. But they're not quite prepared to say that. And he clearly wants to stay. So uh, this is all still up in the air. But but they've kind of said he'll be captain and we'll look to groom people underneath him. So that means Kale Rahul, basically. Um, (laughs) But as part of that announcement, they've also finally blown the whistle and dropped Rahane and Pajara, which we've said for a long time was coming. Dan, this is your moment. Um, But they've also dropped Ishant Sharma, who sounds like there's no way back for him. He's, I think, 34, 35 now. And Siraj has basically taken his place. He's he's gone. I'm I'm surprised Sharma has been around for as long as he has. I think like it feels like to me, again, not as an Indian fan following quite as closely. He's had like a bonus three years because he's just sort of kept being quite good. And like you said, now you've got the person to come in and fully replace him. And undrafted in the IPL, I think I'm right in saying. That sounds about right. But I think he's somehow Um, snuck into the last IPL. So that might well be his uh, his career on the wraps, it sounds like. Um, but the, the, the fourth member of that brigade who's been told that their test career is essentially over is Vrindavan Saha, backup wicketkeeper for as long as anybody can remember. <laughs> Had the misfortune for being the backup wicketkeeper to MS Dhoni and then the backup wicketkeeper to Richard Pant. You're not going to get that many games if that's your role in life. Um, he is 37 years old now, so this all makes a lot of sense become a bit dramatic as he kind of came out afterwards and was clearly a little bit sad rightfully so as he has every right to be um and he's kind of complaining publicly that he was told that he's dropped and not going to be considered in the future um but the the new india coach came out and did a public statement addressing all of that he basically said yeah he's going to be sad that's fair enough i just dropped him from a team but my job isn't to have cuddly conversations with the players i'm there to tell them that they're out if they're out um, which I think was a kind of respectable level of honesty from a coach, but but he was very nice about Saha's previous contributions to the team. So that's all well and good. Then there's a second phase of drama, Dan. It's all kicking off again. Give me the documentary now. Give me this the, is the documentary, documentary. Right. So, so Saha then tweeted, it was almost notes app level. He, <laughs> he, he tweeted a screenshot of like his WhatsApp messages from a journalist who he wouldn't name. Um uh, essentially saying give me an interview don't talk to any other journalists Saha then ignored his phone calls and then he sent him a load of other messages being like I'm never going to talk to you again this is going to be really bad for your career because I'm going to write bad things about you um he he said I'm not going to name this journalist everybody knows who it is (laughs) low-key uh pretty obvious if you're in any anywhere in and around uh the Indian press box um the BCCI have now ordered a full investigation to find out who this guy is and whether they should be in and around the team anymore. Basically, everybody from previous coaches to current players has come out to say that whoever this is shouldn't be around the setup. Um, so it's all got a bit dramatic. But it's one of those great examples of, of something where this was going to happen at some point. Everybody clearly kind of hates this guy, but he's wielded a lot of power in that very old school way that journalism often functioned in slightly corrupt spheres 
of you know yeah we know that a lot of it is about access it's about i'm going to be the exclusive source i'm going to get this interview we know there's a bit of threats if you want to call them that back and forth um and this is kind of the straw that's breaking that particular camel's back i think i quite i think he overplayed his hand the journalist because i like how his threat was your career's ruined if you don't talk to me when he was when he was pleading for an interview about a ruined career <laughs> it didn't quite make sense you know if he was 17 maybe the, the geese is 37 you know what i mean <laughs> I like the the way that that Twitter seemed to kind of work out who it was, partly because it, it's something that he makes he make he makes the same error a lot. He writes U as Y P U rather than Y O U, and people picked up on the fact that he tweets that all the time. Yep. And so they were like, oh, that was were like, like oh, how it's definitely people... this guy. It that got was like a bit how people... Rebecca Vardy. Yeah, and there was and that's how people worked out who was the killer in Nana Duty. Because they they misspelled <laughs> yes, a particular word every time wrong, they were like it all added up because that was that person. Someone's done a great photoshopped poster of for, for the for the Netflix series You, but they spelt it Y P U with a picture of his face in the background. <laughs> Speaking of Netflix series, please get us like a, a Drive to Survive esque thing inside the India national team, please. It is wild. It, it would it would be excellent viewing. Uh, but thank you for that. Well, great summary of what's going on in India. The West Indies will head home now. And their test series against England starts on the 8th of March. Uh, last hilarious side note from this series, from an India perspective, the ludicrous ICC rankings have been updated today. And they've they've very happily announced that India are the number rank, number one ranked team in the world again, um, about three months after crumbling out of the group stage of the World Cup. Meanwhile, is Australia it? ranked uh, fifth, I think. For T- so this is T20s. This is T20. So this is all very functional. Class. Clearly, this ranking Love system that. works perfectly. Congratulations, India. Sorry, on, on ICC rankings quickly, there was there was also a tweet that they put out saying the big winners who weren't very high up in the ICC T20 rankings at the IPL auction, because basically loads of the players who were really high up on the IPL on the ICC T20 rankings for batters didn't get that much money because the rankings don't work. And players like Tim David, who's like 50th or something, or not even in it because he's not played a T20i. <laughs> Just or he hasn't played a T20 for a major nation, obviously doing really well. And it's just like, why are you tweeting this? Because you're just making everyone realise what they already know, basically, that your rankings don't work. No one's rankings work. I think this is a sport thing, by the way. I think golf definitely doesn't. Football, international football, absolutely makes no sense. No one can follow any of it. It's all semantics, really, isn't it? Uh, Glenn, there's been some more cricket. Uh, men's cricket, New Zealand versus South Africa, the first test match. Um, I knew this was happening, but it finished so quickly. I didn't, I didn't, you know, it just sort of happened without me knowing. Uh, New Zealand won by an innings in 276 runs, which is a battering. So tell us the story of this test match. Yeah, thanks, Dan. Uh, it, it, it is one that, that had the potential to fly under the radar. Um, it's a two test series. Um, so pretty quick kind of sandwiched in between other one day series. Um, so, yeah, potentially it could have just, you know, been two quiet games and, and, and that was that. We don't need to talk about it. But actually, um, one member of the New Zealand team, Matt Henry, made history, uh, had the performance of an absolute lifetime. Uh, in the first innings, he got seven wickets for 25 runs. Uh, then he got 58 not out. Um, then he got picked up another couple of wickets in the final innings, which meant he became the first number 11 to take seven wickets in an innings and score a 50 in the same test match, which is pretty incredible stuff. So congratulations to Matt Henry. Um, he was only in the squad to replace um, Bolt, who's on paternity leave. Um, so that's uh, pretty wild unto itself. So you've got real, you know, stars aligning for him, a bit of chance that he finds himself in the team. And wow, what a performance. And once again, Matt Henry seems to really underline New Zealand's knack of just having these superb replacements. Like Henry, not to say Henry's a second tier player, because he's always been in and, in and among the, 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 the proper 11. Like he's a top class player. It's not like he's a young player or anything like that. But for him to step into the team, uh, you know, with Bolt absent and just to deliver this amazing performance um, was superb. Um, so that was really impressive. Um, New Zealand got a monster 482. Um, runs were spread pretty much throughout the 11. There was only 100, uh, which was for Nichols uh, at the top of the order. Blundell got 96. And as I mentioned, Henry chipped in with that pretty magnificent 58 coming from number 11. 
South Africa, it was a tale of absolute woe for their batting. Um, they were bowled out for 95 and 111, um, respectively, in both their innings. Didn't come close to New Zealand. Could have batted twice more and probably still not made a dent on that total, really. Um, one thing I noted, just looking at uh, looking at the game, looking at the scorecard closely before we came on air, uh, the top four were shambolic um, for South Africa. Um, the highest score um, for the top four across two innings, so this is eight innings in total, was 15. So nothing, nothing to write home about there. And I noted that in the second innings, both openers got ducks, um, which meant they really were building uh, an innings on sand really there. So um, New Zealand demonstrating once again why they're the you know best team in the world uh won the te- uh, world test series championship they're really underlining that quality at home um and for south africa it was it was abysmal it was just uh it was disappointing because it's an ex- you know it's an exciting it should be an exciting time for south african test team a bit of transition a few new faces but they weren't at the races with this one the second test starts this coming thursday for me i want to hope to watch a little bit more as you said dan it was kind of you know gone it blink and you miss it this kind of game because it was so one-sided but again new zealand they're exceptionally good at test cricket and congratulations to matt henry for making history i thought it was such a shame that this was so one-sided after the after the south africa beating india i thought oh yeah you know they're going to compete here but then they are you know keegan peterson was missing it's worth noting he's he's injured and uh he was obviously starred in the in the india series and nokia's still injured as well a couple of debutants simon harmer is in the uh, south africa squad as well and I, I hope over the summer he plays for South Africa against England so he can't play for Essex. But I worry he won't because oh, but I, Maharaj but I is very good. That, but I worry that he'll play and just take England apart because he's been so good in England for however long now. And I thought as soon as I saw that news that Harmer was now going to play for South Africa, and I thought, geez, and they're playing England this summer class. Great. What, what perfect timing. Do you not think he'll get in then if you had to say right now? I think Maharaj gets in ahead of him. I'd love, I want him to get in. I hope he gets Same. in. I'd rather see him tear apart England than tear apart Somerset again. <laughs> okay, right. <Let's> see what... <laughs> Gosh, it, it would be horrible. But I was the same and we were really gassing up South Africa after that win um, against India. I think I I hailed it as a new era for South, Af- South African cricket. Perhaps, <laughs> perhaps I jumped the gun there slightly. Feels like they, they play really good at home on, on what are really tough pitches. Like that India series was 200 plays 200 plays 200. Whereas... Maybe a slightly better batting uh, wicket here. Uh, they didn't they didn't answer well, but yeah, uh, good summary there, Glenn, and, and well into Matt Henry, who yeah just sort of was always a good replacement and never shone, and, and finally had his Test match. Uh, before we wrap up part one, Zach, just give us a, a couple of uh, headlines coming out of the Bangladesh Premier League. They had their final, and then New Zealand women versus India women had a, had a cool storyline coming out of it as well uh, ahead of the Women's World Cup. Yeah, so in the BPO, I didn't catch much of it, but we had some, it's just some good players getting involved and Jake Linter opened the batting with Chris Gale at one point. So, you know, it was, it was all a bit of fun. So this it was the final, it was the two, the two top teams made it to the final. They were the best teams throughout. It was Fortune, Barishal and Camilla Victorians. Camilla batted first, made 151, including Sunil Narayan opening the batting and hitting 57 from 23 balls. Moeen Ali also plays for this team, got 38 from 32. Uh, Barishal were cruising and 81 for two at the halfway point. And uh, e- either side of the halfway point, Narayan got Chris Gale and DJ Bravo out LBW, which, you know, was great to see. It felt like I was watching a T20 game 15 years ago. And then they needed 18 from the final three overs. It, they looked like they were cruising and, you know, they were losing wickets pretty regularly, but it was like, come on, you know, they need to, they need to run a ball. Surely they're going to get this. And then Narayan bowled an unbelievable over, went for two runs and took a wicket. So they needed 16 from two. And then uh, the Fizz, Mr. Fizzer Raman, came on and bowled another unbelievable over, going for six and taking a wicket. And then they needed, they suddenly needed 10 from the final over and they were about seven or eight down. So it was like, oh, out of nowhere. And Camilla Victorians won, and they they only ended up winning by one run, but they they were just absolutely nowhere. They were completely out of the game, and yeah, they managed it. So well done, Moeen Ali, another trophy for him, and yeah, good stuff from Sunil Narayan, of course. He must have quite the Moeen must have quite the cabinet of uh, awards now. It's only going to grow. He's going to be a great franchise cricketer as he gets older, and England cricketer still, of course. Um, New Zealand women versus India women, Zach, help us out with this because World Cup on the horizon statement win from New Zealand in their home conditions 
Yeah. So last time we spoke, I think there'd been there'd been one ODI and one T20I. And there's another one tonight. So by the time you listen to this, there will have been four in, the, in this five match series. New Zealand are currently 3-0 up. It was a good story in the second game. Amelia Kerr uh, got an unbeaten 100 and she got them over the line batting with her sister. Uh, and winning them the game and India India just don't seem to be scoring enough runs really the last two games have gone down to the last over and New Zealand have knocked them off you know with about three wickets to spare so it's not it's they're not far away they're pretty close games but before this series I'd have I'd have put India to beat to beat New Zealand and now I'm kind of thinking I think India on their day could do well at the World Cup but I don't expect I don't expect them to consistently challenge which isn't helped by the kind of round robin format of the tournament. Uh, yes, so an interesting story there, and the Women's World Cup starts on Friday the fourth of March, not far away. Now we've got a full preview coming that special episode with some excellent guests for that, uh, so keep your eye out for that. Uh, that'll about do for part one. In part two, we're going to chat about our USA special and about our new T20 franchise league. <laughs> Hello, welcome back to part two of this week's episode of Rain Stop Play. Uh, we're going to start with our USA special, which uh, aired on Sunday, launched on Sunday, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Glenn, you worked tirelessly over this. Five awesome guests in it. Um, and we're just going to reflect a little bit more because we've had some comments through, haven't we? And um, if you haven't listened yet, I- I'd recommend going and listen to it now and come back to this pod. Uh, but for those who have listened, Glenn, what's what's a bit of reception been and, and what sort of chat is hovering around? U.S. cricket. I know there's a story that broke recently about the uh, the governance of U.S. cricket as well, which uh, you spoke about a lot in your episode. Yeah, thanks, Dan. Uh, yeah, thank you again to people who we interviewed with the pod. Um, Will did an amazing job uh, editing a lot of it together. And thank you to everyone who's listened, because it's been great to get some feedback um, and see a little bit of uh, discord, uh, discourse on our Twitter about it. Um, yeah, so we've had a, you know, a couple of comments. Um, one person mentioned that a T20 competition can get off the ground here, in their opinion, in the US. Um, but in order for that to happen, um, stop focusing on Florida to test it. Um, they mentioned that Florida baseball teams aren't even that popular until playoffs. So very interesting kind of geographical critique there. Um, so that's a really good point. Um, somebody else mentioned that they um, agree with the concluding points in the end. So that's I think that's nice that our discussion at the end didn't ruin it for anyone. <laughs> Superb. Um, uh, they said, and I think we'd, a lot of us would agree with this, the 2024 World Cup uh, and Major League Cricket could make or break uh, cricket in the United States. I, I would agree. This feels like a real moment and it's kind of like if it doesn't work now when will it as, as smith did say uh, on the podcast uh, and then again they they also added uh, there's a need to focus on the grassroots uh one more i'll just uh briefly mention that all these are from twitter so thank you for everyone commenting these um tim actually our southern correspondent will hopefully be joining us um soon for some county championship chat um he thinks that uh you know major league cricket minor and major league cricket does have a good chance of succeeding here uh, the world cup will give an impetus that it couldn't have that couldn't be better timed i'd agree with that it feels like a very a very nice uh moment for both of those tournaments um a 16 tournament says tim like the pakistan super league which a nice link to today's discussion with a similar mix of local caribbean and worldwide overseas players can work i think that link that geographical link to the caribbean is going to be really key towards the succeeding uh but but tim also mentions that uh, the grassroots has to be addressed um as well in order for this to build again really the implication from the bottom up as opposed to the top down which i think is a really interesting perspective i i found the point that um about florida not being a great testing point for it really interesting and i hadn't really thought about floridian american sports they've got a lot of it, they've got two basketball teams, three football teams um, and a baseball team that is rightly not very well supported. And it's sort of because of its geographical closeness to the Caribbean, it's probably why it's always used like that. And it's also a bit of a melting pot of, of cultures in America. So they're like, I should just pop it in Florida and, and that will be successful because, you know, uh, a bunch of immigrants live there and there's loads of sport in Florida. But sometimes it's not the right one. So I, that was a really interesting point uh, that I thought someone picked up there. And it'd be interesting to see where they where they do end up put in these hubs if it were to be 16s for example yeah absolutely it's good you know there's no there's news um you know about um north carolina stadium there which which did host the um which did host the final of minor league cricket that's been um 
going to get a going to revamp that's been allocated funding to be expanded, which is fantastic. So again, you know, North Carolina that might be a little hub. Um, obviously, you know, with um, USA Cricket, they've got a lot of facilities based just outside of Dallas in Texas. That's really interesting. Again, you're going to get your hot weather there, and then of course we're gonna we're gonna look at points on the probably somewhere in the Midwest. You know, you think Chicago, who do have two teams in minor league cricket, you'd hope they could come together to form one. At least for me, that would be my closest team if that were to exist. <laughs> and then of course there's going to be one. Um, there's definitely going to be one in California. I think just outside of um, San Jose is going to be potentially the position for that. So a lot of really interesting discourse. And yeah, people are bringing up points that I think a lot of us would agree with that you've got, you know, it's all well and good setting up these leagues, but if the grassroots viability isn't there, that th- those big leagues would be found out pretty quickly, right? Spot on. And, and you highlighted a, a piece that Peter Delapena, who you spoke to in the podcast, um, released today on ESPN Quick Info that the general elections are, continue, uh, are continually being delayed um, in this post-USACA era. And and this isn't, again, this was discussed in the podcast. You can go and listen to that, but this isn't good, is it? This is what we, this is the kind of clogged up system that isn't going to help anybody. Yeah, so I think one of the most interesting bits um, from the podcast that, again, people should go and listen to is this sort of administrative chaos that's taken place over a number of years now. We only had time in the final edit to reference it very, very briefly. But, you know, it's incredible to think, given that the USA is on the brink of co-hosting a World Cup in a couple of years time, that not five years ago, the governing body, um, USACA, was just kicked out of the ICC for persistent governance failures. Um, And one of the key issues that that Peter, who's a guest on the pod, as you said, highlighted with some of his scepticism about the new US cricket body that's been set up to replace it was they still haven't organised any elections to ensure that they're set up as a sustainable body. Um, And they announced, I think I'm right in saying, Glenn, last month that these elections would take place. Um, But as Peter says in his in his uh, new report just published today, still no news on those things actually taking place. So a a huge question mark over who are actually going to be the key figures driving this thing forward. Yeah. And I mean, if if members of the board are taking legal action <laughs> against the rest of the board, right, there's an ongoing uh, we'd have to get into the integrity of it right now. But there's, you know, there's an ongoing legal action within USA cricket about, you know, elections, because one of the problems being that some people have been in their post beyond the initial term that was supposed to be there. So that's already in violation of constitution and something that pretty much all of our guests and some people obviously have been who've been commenting on this are saying like, you know, you've, you've got to get this house in order. Once again, you just can not build viable leagues or you know do the best to host this world cup i think i read that the west indies are going to get two-thirds of the games and then the usa are going to get a third of the games in the 2024 world cup so that third needs to be great right that needs to be run really well and it's going to be a real struggle to to keep minor league cricket going well you know there's going to be future seasons of that the first one was a success i'd say but how on earth can you build a brand new t20 franchise league that you want to attract the best in the world if you cannot run an internal election smoothly that's that's a concern and peter does a really good job of, of examining that and holding usa cricket to account because as he rightly said in the pod a lot of people are like well why are you critiquing us when we do have the world cup when we do have major league cricket on the horizon but you know you need both to be right <laughs> at the same time you can still you've still got to run your own elections and keep that admin in check in order for stuff to progress so yeah worrying reports again thanks to peter for that great reporting coming out today but broadly i'm still cautiously optimistic um, but there's a lot of lot of moving parts that need to be shored up, I think. Great stuff. Um, and we'll link that article from Peter that came out today in the pod description, as well as the USA special. We'll link it in the description. But you can find it on our feeds, on our Twitter, on our Apple podcast feed, Spotify podcast feed, wherever you get your podcast from, however you listen to us, you'll be able to find it. And that's the kind of thing I'm sure we'll be able to follow up on in a year's time. And, and building up to that World Cup, it is such a dense story. And that hour, that hour pod was probably just sort of scratching the surface. Uh, of what is really going on there uh, so great work on that glenn uh, and it's a, a really good lesson obviously i'd say that but it genuinely is um right let's have a little bit of fun toward the end of this pod you know there's not a lot of cricket going on right now england west indies coming up very soon pakistan australia coming up very soon all very exciting women's world cup coming up very soon we're in this sort of slight purgatory so will you've come up with just a bit of fun to end the pod you know before we get onto zach's question can you explain it first? Like, what are we doing here? I've, I've teased it as we create our own franchise league, which is what is going on in my head anyway. And we're going to pick a team each of anybody and they're going to play each other somehow. That's about right, isn't it? Is that, is that what we're going for here? 
that's about that's about right it's a bit of a hypothetical cricket fun we're all going to come up with our own dream 11 international t20 team um from any franchise leagues or countries that we want based on form or career or whatever factor you like i like to dream this up as a kind of sky recently made that documentary about the crazy supposed millionaire who tried to run an england versus rest of the world (laughs) t20 game right i'm imagining it that okay some kind of bond villain billionaire decides to take a load of players to the uae we have a one-off knockout tournament you can have whichever 11 players you want create a franchise for a one-off tournament go and here come the teams and before we get into this because i can see all the teams in front of me now there are some repeated players so i think we're presuming that this person is so rich that they have developed some sort of system in which you can clone uh, cricketers and, and Joffre Arch can play in both teams, for example, bit of a spoiler there. We'll, we'll just, that's that's semantics. We'll just presume that's been invented by then. Um, also hosting the UAE, obviously, because who doesn't love T20 in the UAE all the time? Um, we've also got our franchise name. So, Zach, you're going to kick us off because you're first in the list here. What's your franchise name and what's your team? And why are they going to win this uh, chaotic mini tournament? So my team are going to win purely because they're called the Headingley Hustlers and they're going to hustle everyone out of <laughs> lots of things. They're going to take away, you know, they're just going to take, they're just going to whisk everyone away and battle them basically. Cause when you've got Rizwan and Butler opening together, it doesn't get much better than that. You've then got uh, Liam Livingston, AKA Ken Livingston batting at three. You've got SKY at four. Maxwell five, David six, Russell seven, and then the bowling attack of Rashid Khan, Archer, Bumrah, Shaheen. Try hit some runs off that. I think that's just like the object. That's objectively the best bowling attack you could put together right now. I think we're in agreement on that. That is that would be just naughty to play against. If we all put yeah. pretty much the same bowling attack. Uh, so. Yes, pretty much. But I think there's a few nice little ones. No. Oh, <laughs> Glenn's, oh, little. Well, Glenn's oh. team is carnage, and we will come on to that. Um, let's let's do discussion afterwards. I'm gonna I'm gonna go through my team. The Sultans of Solihull. Quite proud of that name, to be honest. If you're not quite the Sultans of Swing, but the Sultans of one of the best towns in the West Midlands, I would say. Um, Butler and Ishkish opening. I don't know if he opens or not normally, but I just chuck him up there, let him have a bit of fun. Uh, Rishabh Pant at three because I want Pant ball as early as possible, but didn't feel right to open with him for whatever reason. Ken Livingston at four. Uh, Tim David at five, who I only discovered existed last week, Zach, remember, despite you talking about him for many weeks, uh, if not months. Uh, so he's at five. Is that a bit high for him, Zach, or is it that about him? Five, six. Perfect. Or perfect, perfect lovely. Five, six. I've got Mitch Marsh at six because I thought he was very, very good in the World Cup. And I look Five forward to his three, IPL but, exploits. Yeah. I look forward to his IPL exploits. A bit low but, for him? Potentially. He batted at, what, three? I've, I've gone for test, ma- test match Mitch Marsh, who would play at six, right? <laughs> <laughs> He'll come out in whites as opposed to the actual Sultans and Solihull kit, which I might design in the week if I get bored. Um, Rashi Khan, seven, way too high. <laughs> way too high. <laughs> Uh, Joffre Archer, Bumrah Shaheen, and I have put Adil Rashid in there. I know I think Will you have as well, but Adil Rashid's the best leg spinner in the world. Mm, behind Rashid Khan. So he's got to be in the team. So th- those are the Sultans. Um, Will. <laughs> Unbelievable team name. <laughs> well, I agree. We may as well just put both of the best leg spinners in the world in our teams, and, and, and that's fine. Rashid Khan and Adil Rashid, they can play together, sure. And they will on my team as well. We are the Sharjah Hardik Bulls. Um, because we'd like to play all of our games at that ridiculous stadium in Sharjah that has boundaries about five meters away from the pitch, um, mm. and I and I'm just playing all my all my favourites. I think I made a bad missed a huge opportunity by not building their entire existence and brand identity around objectively the coolest man in cricket, Hardik Pandya. <laughs> um, so that's what we're going to do. Um, so we're opening with Rizwan and Jason Roy. Little bit prisoner of the moment there. I, I, admittedly, when I first wrote this team, I had the IPL in my head. So I wrote down like Kale Rahul and David Warner. And then at the last minute, I, I scratched it and put these guys in. It's probably largely because they've played well recently. But that's fine. I'm relaxed about that. Ken Livingston at three. And then, listen, my middle order might, they might soak up a few balls, but they're all fun. So we've got Pant at four, Glenn Maxwell at five, Hardick at six, Andre Russell at seven. So I'm pushing Rashid Khan down to eight. Burma and Archer with Adil Rashid. I admit I'm a fast bowler light, but I'm relaxed about that. 
Dre Russ. When was that time Dre Russ played well, by yeah. the way? When, well, this, when... so this is it. This is why I said at the top. It, it, it's a bit form and it's a bit yeah. respect. <laughs> I don't think he's played well for a, quite a long time at this point. But what he has done in franchise cricket and international T20 cricket is so impressive that he deserves a spot just it's as a, a legacy guy. Yeah, a respect spot. I like that. Of any player to bat between three and six and score over 500 runs in that period, no, in, in the last two years, no one has a better strike rate than Gudre Russ. Well, there you go. Then. Great fact. And well, Zach, there you go, Zach, he's in. Zach, definitely you just pulled that. You knew that off the top of your head, by the way. That's why you're the stat guy. That was cool. Um, okay, very similar bowling attack so far. Uh, uh, we're going to come to Glenn's team, which I think will win the hearts of people. Definitely a bit different to ours. I like it, Glenn. Thank you for thinking outside the box. Because me, Zach, and Will, like, I'll do it in FBL terms here. We've gone template. You know, we've watched some content creators and what they've gone for. Going, yeah, we might go similar. A couple of changes, a couple of diffs. This is a differential eleven, and it's got some name. <laughs> um, yeah. So, a yeah. uh, couple of issues here. I don't know if the ICC is going to sign off on this one. Um, <laughs> it's not ICC. It's the Bond Villain Independent Tour. Yeah, it's <laughs> just us, guys. <laughs> It's the guy who's um, to clone people. He's fine. Um, so Adam Stanford has uh, made a reprisal into world cricket, and he is the owner of this team. So I want to make that clear from the get-go. So really dubious sources of funding. Um, <laughs> off um, off the bat, we, we are called um, the Craig Williams High Performance Centre Presidents 11. Uh, the president of that is Craig Williams. So he is batting number five and captain. And we are sponsored. You can't have a T20 franchise league or any short form franchise league without a sponsor cheesy what's it's will be uh it is alan's favorite snack so they're going to be plastered on all the shirts um going going down the team so the problem with this team is we spent all of our money um on ben stokes at number six that was like 95 percent of the budget and we put him at six because uh we had to play some of the better players ahead of him so the problem was we put all of our money into that basket uh so we had to save make some savings either side of him so going down the list we've got a few of the quote unquote bad boys of, of cricket as well i'll preface it with that so i'm not ex- i'm expecting some disciplinary issues throughout the tournament uh <laughs> On the, on the back of that, so we're going to start with number one, Alex Hales. I think he embodies uh, everything uh, about this team. An aggressive opener, uh, had a few had a few personal problems with other players, um, but I think he'll get the innings going. Number two, so again, we're looking, we had a few issues with, with money, so I was looking for a slightly cheap opener with with real consistency in this format. Paul Sterling, who else are you gonna who else are you gonna bring in? Quality player on the cheap. He was only twenty quid. It was great. Uh, three is um, is Will favorite player um mr fraud makes an appearance uh listeners should be clear about who that is um one of the best players in the west indies at the minute um i would say number four we oh zach zach can we dive in sorry have, have we actually said who mr fraud is in this whole episode you have to, you have to be a long time listener so i think we might have said his name it's nicholas poran i think we said nicholas poran but from now on so. he's just yeah. mr. fraud so if, if you're a new listener after this episode he's going to be a bit lost and get over it but he's at three okay mr fraud at three yeah he's bringing in some great form from the uh, from the india series so that's great uh number four is one of my favorite players uh jatinta singh uh you know he he's got that that magic touch at the at the top of the order one of our favorite players from the from the minnows pod number five as i mentioned uh he's also captain craig williams we need every good t20 team needs an anchor and he's going to drop the anchor the second he gets in so i'm expecting maybe a 20 not out of 40 from him number mm-hmm. six again uh Ben Stokes uh, really, really uh, misappropriated funds by bringing him into the team, but hopefully he can make something happen in the last two overs when he eventually gets in. Uh, uh, really, actually, like uh, the lower order here. So Moeen, uh, I, I don't know why he wasn't picked in more teams. Uh, yeah, yeah, he, I feel I feel bad about that actually. <laughs> uh, he will be vice captain as well in case Craig pulls up in training. Uh, from from that downwards again, just more quality across the board. Colin de Gronholm, why did nobody bring him in? He, you know, slow UAE pitch. He'll do damage, and he can hit it. He can hit it hard and far. Uh, number nine is a new signing. Uh, he just was made available today, which was fantastic. Um, that's James Faulkner. He is, uh, he's he came straight off after punching a uh, air stewardess in the, in the in the head on the flight over. Keep, keep chandeliers away from him. <laughs> Red bags where all those things are. Uh, I, I, there might be some issues with him and Hales in the team, but you know we'll get there when we get there. <laughs> and then 
bottom two, just two of my favourite players in world cricket, turning the ball left uh, left and right, Adam Zampa. Uh, you know, you mentioned the best leggies in the world. Didn't hear his name, so I snapped him up on the cheap. Uh, and number 11, uh, you know, you can't have a team without someone who can celebrate. Welcome Sheldon Cottrell. I mean, when, when he demolishes the other teams, <laughs> I want to see him stride down the wicket and salute. What How much- an 11. <laughs> Would it not be fun to watch this 11 shamble around? <laughs> the funny thing about Glenn's team is it's not terrible. It's nowhere it's near work- as bad as it could have been. It's really workable. I'm looking forward to them playing against, you know, the, the best bowling attack in the world that all three of us have assembled in our franchise teams. However, I think this this could hold its own. Uh, I'm guessing the kit would be orange. Would you, Mitch, you know, it, they'd all look like Watsits as well running around. Um and I'm sure we'd have our Chris spot. You have to have a savory snack as a sponsor to start a league nowadays. Like, there's no other way of funding it. Okay. I know a billionaire's come in, but even he can't afford it. So you've got to have savory snacks on board. Otherwise no one will take you seriously. So who do you think will win that? You've heard our teams. Uh, you've got the Craig Williams high performance center president's 11. Uh, you've got the Sharjah Hardik balls, the Sultans of Solihull and the Headingley hustlers. If you think you could put together a better team as well, uh, let us know on Twitter at rain.pod with your franchise name your 11 and a, a kit design as well. If we're getting really into it, just, it's just an outline. You can draw one if you want, uh, or on our discord. I can imagine that would be, that'd be a lot of fun to chat with people on that. Um, I'm saying it's touch and go between all our three teams. Then Glenn's team will either be amazing or they'll, they'll have killed <laughs> each other by game two. So who knows? Uh, very fun. Thank you for that idea. Will. that was, that was a lot of fun. And I'd love to see this in action someday. Who knows? Uh, right, as we always do uh, before we round off every episode, we've got Zach's quick question. Uh, remind us of last week's question and the answer, Zach, because uh, everyone's waiting to hear what it is. They've been thinking all week. What is it? In the PSL, Fakas a man passed the 400 run mark. Only two overseas players had ever done that before. Those two overseas players were Shane Watson in 2019 and uh, Luke Ronke. New Zealander. So Very good, because I think you gave a clue about pads last week, and as soon as you said pads, Shane Watson, I think I got that. I didn't get Luke Ronke, who I think coaches for New Zealand now, maybe. It was a handy he, wish wicketkeeper in the day. He was. He, I think he was their fielding coach at the 2019 World Cup. He was definitely kind of involved in the backroom staff then. Sounds about right. Um, so if you said Shane Watson, Luke Ronke, well done. Uh, what's this week's quick question, Zach? This week's question is, with the full retained lists for the 100 coming out tomorrow or today, as you listen to this at midday, do you remember much about last year's tournament? Who were the top run scorers and wicket takers across the men's and women's tournaments last Zach, year? I can barely remember who won. <laughs> I, I thought the question was just going to be, do you remember anything? It's just a totally open, it's not an open-ended question. I don't want to feedback. Still yeah. lose it. <laughs> Clearly not. Gosh. I have no idea. Liam Lev top scored. No. Very yes. good. Well, that's a yes. yes. We'll, we'll, we'll give him one. We'll give we'll give the listeners one. That's fine. So we got the easy one. <laughs> top wicket taker. Oh gosh. Oh dear. Okay. Well, that's one to really ponder, and it's a good one because we should know it. Like it happened like barely a year ago. Yeah. Um, uh, if you do want to answer, if you remember anything, um, you can answer that question as well. It could be a little two-parter, maybe. Worth noting with the uh, top wicket taker for the men, there were four people with the same amount of wickets. Oh, gosh. Oh. Goodness me. <laughs> so Was Imran Tahir like... one after his little hat trick? Little big hat trick. He wasn't. He, no. He got 10 wickets. The top was 12. So it wasn't okay. far off. Oh. Right. That's enough information for the listeners to to go away for a week and and good luck with that one. Should be easy, but it'll be a tough one. It'll be a tough one. That about wrap it up for this week. Thank you so much for listening. One final reminder that our USA special is out now. Go and give it a listen. Uh, but for now, Glenn, thank you very much. Thank you so much. Really fun hour. Zach, see you later. Thank you. Will, goodbye. See you next week. And thank you very much for listening. We'll be back same time next week.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.